What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's nourishing, grounded, creative, and aligned with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Alchemy in Action with me, your host, Amanda Cook. In each episode, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Well, hello, Wellpreneurs. Happy January, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. This week's interview is a little bit different. I'm actually speaking with somebody who started a product-based business. Now, I know we generally talk about like service business and information products here on this podcast, but I know a lot of you also have dreams of creating an actual physical product business. So this week, I'm talking to Nirali Mancoti, who's the founder of Superfoodio, a superfoods subscription service here in the UK. Nirali and her husband, Jag, were on a trip around South America and were really inspired by all the superfoods they found there and decided that they'd love to start a superfood delivery service when they returned to the UK. So they created the Superfoodio subscription box, which delivers a box of superfoods to your door every month, which is super cool. And Nirali's on the show today to talk to us all about how they went about launching the business and some tips and, and how it's working for her and generally how you can market and really create a product-based business yourself. So we'll get into that interview in just a second, but I just wanted to say, if you haven't yet joined us on Facebook in the new Wellpreneur Wellness Marketing Mastermind Facebook group, which is totally free to join, you absolutely should come over and join us. I'll put a link in the show notes, but also if you just go into Facebook and you type Wellpreneur, you'll see both my page and the group and you wanna join the group. And there are over 300 Wellpreneurs in there. We're all sharing and asking questions and giving feedback and even talking about the weekly podcast episodes. And it's just a really fun place to connect with other Wellpreneurs because you're not alone on this journey. There are actually thousands of other Wellpreneurs out there who are doing the same thing as you are. Not the exact same thing, of course, but trying to get their businesses out in the world through online marketing. And slowly but surely, we're growing that community on Facebook so that we can connect with each other there. It's a really awesome compliment to the podcast. I've just totally loved being able to connect with you and really meet the people that are on the other end of the podcast. So definitely hop over to Facebook and join us there if you haven't already. Okay, now let's get into this week's interview with Nirali Mancoti of Superfoodio. Hi, Nirali. Thanks for joining me on the show. Hi, Amanda. Thanks for having me. So I always kind of love sharing how I came across different guests that I invite onto the show. And you and I met in a Twitter chat. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which was kind of funny. I got invited to join this women's business Twitter chat and it was in an evening and I happened to be free. So I just joined onto the Twitter chat and I saw you in there and looked at your website, Superfoodio, and it looked really awesome. And so then I got in touch about doing this. So you never know where you're going to meet somebody. <laughs> Absolutely. That's so true. <laughs> so so I really wanted to share your story about how you've created Superfoodio. So can you kind of take us back to how you and your husband got started with this business? Yeah, sure. So I guess for both of us, we've always been um, quite big into healthy food and fitness and that kind of thing. So it's always been a part of our lifestyle. 
But a couple of years ago, we decided to take a break from our sort of day jobs, corporate life, and go traveling for a few months. So we went to South America for about three, four months. And one of the first things that we were sort of thinking about, and a little bit worried about, to be honest, was the food. So we're both vegetarian and have been like all our lives. And when we asked anyone like, oh, what kind of food do you think we'll get out there? They were like, you might struggle as a vegetarian. So we were a little bit hesitant and we're like, OK, maybe we need to pack lots of snacks and, you know, carry stuff with us because we didn't really want to be living on like pizzas and pastas and things for four months. So that's just a little bit too much. So we got ready for this trip and had everything um, sort of took some of the food with us. And one of the things we immediately found was it was quite hard to find like a variety of food for us to take on our travels, which was sort of healthy and that we wanted to take with us. So that was one of the first things. But actually, when we got out to South America, and I think it's like the beauty of traveling for that long is that you can really immerse yourself into the culture. And we found that actually in some places, there were so many sort of different types of foods and superfoods being grown locally. So we experienced like acai bowls in Brazil um, and, you know, we're having them for like breakfast, lunch and dinner and, you know, loved it. And we were just like, oh, why do we not know about this back at home? And also another thing in, in Bolivia and Peru is quinoa. So we'd heard about quinoa and, you know, we'd started seeing it on supermarket shelves, but we'd never actually used it. And when we were traveling, saying, you know, as soon as we said we were vegetarian, everyone was sort of serving us quinoa all the time. But in so many different ways, because for them, it's a staple food. It's something that they have in so many ways. They grow it in their back garden. And we got to actually see and experience this. And that's when it kind of dawned on us that actually some of the things or some of the barriers that stops us from, I guess, using these different types of grains or a new superfood on the market is that we don't actually know what to do with it. So we've seen quinoa, it's really high in protein, it's perfect for a vegetarian, but I'd still never used it. And that's where we kind of got thinking about, actually, wouldn't it be really great to share some of this experience and knowledge and bring it back home? And the model that we sort of came up with was a subscription box service. Cool. Yeah. So tell us a bit about what it is that you actually deliver every month. Yeah. So in our box, we have, there's two elements. So we've got a range of sort of snacks, drinks, nibbles, different types of foods, and that we work with small brands introducing new foods to the market, new health foods. So they're the brands that you wouldn't necessarily see in the supermarket or you wouldn't see on your high street. And we work with them and build a relationship and introduce them to people through our box. So they get to sort of reach a wider customer base, as well as um, customers who kind of want to stay ahead of the health and wellness trends, get to experience the new foods. And then the other element is the we have a feature ingredient every month. So that kind of touches on how I was saying about the quinoa. And what we do is we have something, we pack it up. And it's like a raw ingredient or a grain, a flour, something like that, which is quite new. And we have that ready for people to cook with. So we include that in the box. But then we also go into a bit more detail about where it's grown, kind of who uses it in the world, like where it comes from, some of its properties, but then also some ways that you can use it. And depending on which box you buy, you get a set of recipe cards. So really encouraging people to experiment with that grain and discover something new and learn about different ways to cook with it. 
Okay, so you and your husband, you're on this amazing trip, learning about these amazing foods, and then you decide you want to do this subscription box service. And I'm sure a lot of people out there listening can relate to this. Like you get this idea and you're Mm -hmm. so excited about it. And how did you go from like just having that idea to actually saying, okay, we're really going to do this? Did you just totally commit to it right away? Did you have to do some research? Like what was, or or Mm -hmm. even in your head, you know, (laughs) what was the point of going from idea into bringing that into something you were going to actually pursue? Yeah, I guess the beauty of being on that trip for so long and being away was one, we had a chance to sort of not think about everything else and be a little bit more creative. And the other thing was that we spent a lot of time traveling. So anyone who's been to South America would know that there's like long bus journeys and train journeys and, you know, overnight journeys and things like that. So we had a lot of them and we had our iPad with us. So I'm the kind of person that really can't sleep on public transport. So I would always be doing something. And when these ideas came into my head, I just started writing it like a, it wasn't a formal business plan, but it was like a rough business plan in terms of, you know, what we would want to do, why we would want to do it, what would be some of the steps that we would need to sort of action to get it going. We couldn't really sort of start any research or anything while we were out there, but it was just getting those ideas down. And actually, towards the end of the trip, we ended up at a friend's wedding. And we're talking to some people there and talking about the idea to to start the business. And I think that's when it kind of felt a lot more real. And I think because we committed it and we said it out loud. And I think it was that time when we thought, okay, well, you know, coming back to the UK, I'd actually left my job before I went traveling. So it was a perfect time to try something new. And it kind of felt like it's either now or never. Like if, if I didn't do it full time committed into it, then I probably never would. So had either of you ever run a business before? No, neither of us. <laughs> so do you, you must have had like fears and, and stuff come up, right? Yeah, absolutely. I guess like for me, it was like, where do I start? Like there's so much maybe that what if I've missed something out or what if there's something I haven't seen? But I guess I, I just started, I came back and I started doing research and also started talking to people. So a few people that had run their own businesses for quite a while, just trying to understand what kind of needed to go into that and doing research online in terms of, you know, if you're going to put a business plan together, how you pull it together and what the different elements you need to think about. So just through sort of talking to people, um, started getting an idea of everything that we needed to think about. But I think you're right. There is um, that sense of like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't really know where to start. And, you know, what if I've missed something out or what if something goes wrong? But I think the more you kind of get into it, you kind of have to ignore that side and keep going. Mm-hmm. Totally. So how did you get your first customers? So actually, we, we launched Superfoodio at the BBC Good Food Show. It was the a new food show earlier this year called Eat Well. And we decided that that would be a really good first show to launch Superfoodio at, not only because it's quite well known, but it was the right target market. And also a really good opportunity for us to meet potential customers face to face. So we could sort of show them our product. They could try different samples and we could hear their feedback. Like you could see, you know, when you're on a stand, someone's immediate feedback, what they think of it. And you can kind of get into a bit more of a conversation. So actually, the BBC Good Food Show was where we got some of our first customers, which is really great. Cool. I'm curious what you guys do in terms of marketing now, because are you doing mainly like online marketing or are you going out in person and trying to find people? 
I guess you could say it's mainly online marketing. We've worked with, so, so after the BBC Good Food Show, there were quite a few bloggers that came to the show. So a few bloggers got in touch with us. So that was one way that we started sort of working with them and getting out to their audience. Online marketing in the sense of kind of online publications like the Well To Do London and things like that, where people who are kind of looking for the latest trends in health and wellness can find us. And also kind of collaborating with some other brands, yeah, doing similar things to us. So, you know, working in partnership with them, doing collaborations and competitions and things like that. So just kind of trying to reach out to the right people. Oh, I'd love to learn more about that. So when you're talking about doing things in partnership with another brand, Mm -hmm. is that something that like you've kind of looked around and said, oh, they're really cool. I'd like to work with them and you've approached them or how does that happen? A lot of the collaborations we've done have been through other brands that we've met in person, because I think when you meet in person, you kind of click with the brand or the the founders and you get to know a little bit more about them. So we we did a couple of shows after the BBC Good Food show and, you know, people that were on stands next to us. So you, you end up spending a lot of time with them and you find out more about them, like the story behind the brand. And it's the brands that you really click with that you kind of say that okay yeah it'd be really great to work together let's look at doing like whether we run a a competition or yeah just do a collaboration in terms of cross promotion or something like that so yeah I guess it's the ones that we've met face to face that we've ended up doing the collaborations with rather than trying to find people online. Yeah I'm glad you mentioned that because I think a lot of times you know we can pigeonhole ourselves and say oh well I'm doing this business online so I need to do everything online and actually (laughs) it's still people that are online, right? And so it's about making those relationships and the connections with people. And you can even make a deal offline and then do something online so you don't have to limit yourself. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of the people that we've met, we've not met kind of thinking like we want to do a collaboration. It's just come out of the conversation that we've had. And because we've got along and it's the same sort of ethos of the brands, it just felt natural to go ahead and do a, a competition or something online. Mm-hmm. And people want to help each other too. So yeah, exactly. I think it works both ways, and there's a lot you can sort of offer, and it, it, you sort of start building a friendship. So you kind of feel comfortable to ask them if you've got any questions about how they did something. So it just builds your network in that sense. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious. You know, you found all these amazing products in South America and these foods you wanted to include. How did you even go about pulling together the first box? That must have been amazingly daunting (laughs) to go from this idea to actually having product packaged up. Yeah, actually, one of the first things that I did when I got back from South America was started researching what kind of brands were in the UK. So, you know, if there were similar things to what we'd experienced in South America, but also, yeah, what people were doing here. So I spent quite quite a bit of time trying to find out if we could actually even pull a box together because it was at that time it was like a concept and it was just about making you know proving that it would work and then a lot of it was through going to a lot of food shows and events where we'd meet sort of a lot of the founders of the small brands and yeah start having conversations with them and finding out what they're doing and actually figuring out whether it would be right for our box and I mean, I guess in that first box, because we knew it was the first one, it was the one we were launching with. We really wanted to put in the box that would give us the most variety of foods in the box. So having too many bars in there, but having like a real mix of different things, having new brands that maybe no one would have heard of. 
to really kind of give the wow factor. I'm sure people out there are thinking, because I, I know that because this comes up quite a bit, like, okay, so you're at the show and you're finding all these like smaller brands out there that you want to approach. And I'm sure a lot of people would feel like, why are they going to talk to me? Like, this doesn't even exist yet. And so how do you get over that? Like, did you do you have any tips around how to how to be confident about putting yourself out there when your thing doesn't actually exist? <laughs> yeah, no, I completely understand. Actually, that's um, yeah, we definitely experience that because it's sometimes difficult to explain something when you can't really direct them to a website or anything like that. I mean, some of it came with practice, so going to shows and talking to different brands. And the more you sort of say, you kind of like start refining how you describe the concept and what you're going to do. We even put like a prototype together. So, you know, when before we'd actually launched, we could actually show someone what we meant. And, you know, once they saw that, they, they kind of knew a bit more about what we what we meant and what we were looking to do. But yeah, it was just, I guess, like the more we spoke to people, the more, yeah, we could kind of refine what we wanted to say and how we wanted to come across and what our business was about. And it almost becomes more real the more you talk about it. Yeah, definitely. I think. And people come back with, I mean, because I think sometimes you have in your head that you're going to approach someone and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to explain what I do. But actually, they may say something that would help in your business or something that they've seen or something like that. So it's kind of becomes a conversation. And yeah, maybe you're not always sort of pitching to them about what your business is. They're kind of maybe, or they might ask a question and it might make you think, actually, that's something I should think about. So I, I just, I definitely say the more you kind of do that, the more you kind of yeah refine what you need to say and it becomes more perfect in terms of a pitch. So what does your team look like now? Is it still just the two of you or do you have anybody that helps you out? Yeah, it's actually still just the two of us, but we have like a web designer and a graphic designer that we, as we kind of build on new projects, that we kind of call on them to help us with some of the work. We have someone who comes and helps us like actually packing the boxes because that can be quite um, a big task. And it's, yeah, it's interesting how quickly a month can go. And it's like the next month's boxes that we need to pack and ship out. So we've got a little bit more help with that. When we actually launched, it was just me full time and my husband was working full time. But now he's gone down to part time at his work as well. So, yeah, so we've got like two of us a bit more committed into it. So what would you, I wonder if you can offer some tips, like for anybody out there that has, you know, has a dream about actually creating a concrete product based business like you have and just how you would get started. I guess one of the things that I found was actually trying to get like proof of concept together. So whether that's a prototype, yeah, just pulling it together and trying to to get to the final product as quick as possible. One of the things that I sometimes think we maybe took too long thinking about what it should look like, the perfect product. But actually, if you have a prototype and you start getting feedback, it's a lot easier and a lot quicker to get that going. And as soon as you sort of get it out there, you get feedback and you can kind of start changing and adapting according to what people are wanting. So I'd say that's one of the things that it's quite useful to to get together quickly and start getting out there really. Mm, Totally. We hear that over and over on the podcast. People say, just do it, just get started. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so easy to get distracted with trying to be a perfectionist about so many things. And you just think, oh, you know, this bit's not right, but actually it might not matter. Like you kind of just get out there and actually maybe you don't even need that bit. So yeah, definitely find that 
as soon as you get out there, you kind of get that feedback that you need to develop the product into the right thing. Mm-hmm. So what's your typical work day? I'm sure there's there's no typical as an entrepreneur, but like what kind of things are you doing on a day-to-day basis now? What's your time spent on? I think you're right. There isn't really a typical day, but we deliver our boxes every Monday at the moment. So, you know, on those days, it's a lot about kind of getting everything ready to ship out to people. Also working with different people in terms of collaborations, making contacts through emails and things like that to meet new brands. So because the brands in our box change every month. So there's a lot of time sort of spent finding new brands or connecting with the brands that we've already sort of met and continuing that relationship. So we find a lot of that time goes into that. The recipes for the box as well, we create. So yeah, doing some recipe development, trying new things with the ingredient and kind of thinking a few months ahead in terms of what we want to include into the box. And yeah, what that's going to look like, like pulling that box together every month takes up a lot of our time. But also, I think like to have a bit of a break from that, it's quite useful to go to events by other brands or other organizations, just to kind of step away from the day-to-day work that you're doing and get some inspiration. So that's what some of the key things that we try and focus on. So are you doing, are you the one that's doing all the marketing then? Yeah, we are at the moment. Yeah, mainly through sort of working in collaborations and that kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah, we've kind of worked with different people looking at different ways we can sort of get out there. So we do all the marketing ourselves. Cool. Have you found anything that you like? Because I love talking about online marketing and sharing tools. Like, is there anything that you think is working really well for you right now with digital marketing or a tool you love? Anything like that? Yeah, I guess um, in terms of the different tools, there's things that we use, like just in terms of how we work as a team and kind of get all the information across. Social media is one of those things. So yeah, trying to get out there and keep up to date with what we're doing as a brand, you know, what kind of new recipe creations are coming up, a little bit about the ingredient, kind of giving people sort of sneak previews. We kind of like try and use Instagram, Twitter. I think, as you mentioned, the Twitter chat as well. So that's quite useful in terms of getting out there and talking to different people, just sort of logging on to Twitter at a certain hour and joining in a conversation. And you never know who you could end up meeting through there. And we've met a couple of people on there. So I think using different social media tools has been quite useful for us. So what's been a surprise for you about running your own business or something that wasn't like what you expected? That's a good question. I think rather than sort of the specifics of the business, I think what it takes in terms of running your own business or being an entrepreneur. I mean, I always knew it would be hard work, but I guess you don't really know what's involved. And I think the more you get into it, the more you start realizing. There was a few people at the start that kind of said to us, it's not a nine to five job, which we kind of knew anyway. But like, I think when you get stuck into it, you kind of put all your time and energy into it. But it's not just that. It's also that you you're so passionate about it that you sometimes don't want to put it down. So you end up spending a lot of your evenings and weekends doing it. So I think that was something that I kind of knew about, but I'd never experienced it. And it was only when we got into the business a bit more and when we launched that I actually thought it's something that you could do all the time. Um, And it's very different to working in a corporate environment or to maybe what a lot of people around you are doing. So a lot of friends and family, or if there's people that don't run their own business, you actually end up having quite a different lifestyle in that sense. Totally. And I think it's one of those things when you I mean, just what you said, when you love what you're doing, you're mm-hmm. so passionate about it. And 
even if you don't like the individual task, you're just so dedicated to making it work that you'll just work all the time. And yeah. you'd never allow a boss to treat you that way. No, you know? exactly. That's you, become, <laughs> you become the worst boss in the world. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're just like demanding that you work yourself all the time because you're working with your husband. I can't mm. imagine. Like, do you guys have to put rules in place so that like you don't talk about work sometimes? <laughs> yeah, I... That is really one of the hardest things, actually, because we do end up talking about it all the time. And because he works part time. So I guess in that sense, half of the week, it gives us a time to both focus on different things. And then when we see each other in the evening, like our conversations are kind of dominated by Superfoodio. And it's one of those things. I mean, it's food. So you're kind of surrounded by it. Like even if we went out for a meal to have a break you're still going to be eating food. <laughs> and then you start going off on, oh, okay, we, maybe we could include this. Or, you know, I wonder how this is made. So it is quite hard to switch off in that sense because we're both so focused and passionate. That's one of the main things that we both have the same sort of vision and we both want to do it just as much. So talking about it on in the evenings or on the weekends doesn't feel like a chore for us or we both want to do it. So yeah, it becomes quite natural to us now. And have you found you've had to change your routine or something to try to give yourself some downtime? Or are you still at the point where you can just work a lot and it's okay? Yeah, I think not so much changing my routine in a big way, but I think there's little things that I do sort of think actually, you know, if I didn't do this, then it would actually help me switch off for a little while because that is one of the hardest things, switching off from the work. And Sometimes even when you're sort of talking to friends and family, you get into a conversation about it. So, I mean, one of the things I do now is I make sure I don't have my phone with me. I don't use it as an alarm clock. I don't use it when I'm asleep because I just find myself, even if I can't sleep at night, picking up the phone and start looking through things. <laughs> and there's just so many distractions with social media notifications and emails, like everything is on that phone. So that's one thing that I've started doing. And actually, I found it so refreshing just to not have it. Like it kind of feels like a separation that you can kind of rest and switch off. And in the morning, getting myself into a routine of getting up and doing some exercise, making sure I have breakfast before I look at my phone. Whereas before, if it was sort of next to me, that would be the first thing I would pick up, even if it was just to check the time or something. You can see all the notifications. So then you start getting distracted and it would throw you off your routine. So that's one of the things I found really useful, that actually putting it away or switching it off for a little while so you're not constantly looking at it. Oh, that's such good advice. Yeah. And I've talked before about the morning routine, that that can be really helpful to make sure you take care of you before you start mm -hmm. dealing with your business. But it's good for you for actually like taking your phone out of your bedroom and not checking it because I go through phases back and forth where I do that or not. And if it's there, if you wake up in the middle of the night, it's too tempting just yeah. to check it. And then that's just like completely anti-sleep, <laughs> checking yeah. your phone. And I've found myself a couple of nights when I've just not been able to go to sleep, almost like turning over to reach for it. And it's not there. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I drift off to sleep, which is probably what I needed to do in the first place. But by not having it physically in the room, it just makes such a difference. And there's been a couple of times when I've woken up in the morning had my breakfast and I've actually forgotten to check the phone like I've gone straight to my laptop but not sort of gone through the distractions of the phone in terms of social media or other things I've kind of gone straight to my to-do list without being distracted by everything else I think that's one of the disadvantages of having everything on your phone so yeah it's been really refreshing actually 
Mm-hmm. And it is just a habit. I mean, in a lot of ways, like you said, it's a habit. And if you can break that habit, then it's not too bad. But oh my gosh, the first couple of days that you try to stop using your phone is killer. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. it was for me. <laughs> no, that's so true. Cool. So we're getting to the end of our time together, but I always like to ask for a book recommendation. If you have like a really inspiring book that you've totally loved or a tool or something that you can share with everyone. Yeah, absolutely. So one for me is a book by Stephen Covey on the seven habits of highly effective people. And I found starting the entrepreneurship kind of role and kind of getting started on my own business, it's been really useful in terms of just trying to figure out your priorities, because there are times when you sort of feel overwhelmed by everything that you need to do. And it's a book that I'd read a few years ago, but looked at again, because it's really helped in terms of this. So I find that that's a really good book to kind of help you manage everything when it kind of gets a bit too much. Awesome. Thank you. So Narali, tell us where everyone can find you if they'd like to get in touch, talk to you about your story or just order one of your boxes. Yep. So our website is www.superfoodio.com and we're on social media. So we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. And our handle is at Superfoodio. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. You can get the links to everything we talked about in this week's episode in the show notes, which you can just get directly on your phone if you just tap on the picture of the podcast and it should show you the show notes right there. And also don't forget to come over to Facebook and join us in the Wellpreneur Wellness Marketing Mastermind Facebook group so you can connect with me and other listeners of the podcast. Have a great week and I'll see you back here next week with the next episode. 